Hey all, Oscar here. Just a very quick reminder that as we enter our ninth year of We Like Movies, it really does us a solid if you give us a rating, a review, a subscribe on iTunes, check us out on Stitcher, we're even on Spotify now. So we appreciate your continued support. Just help us spread the word. Happy 2019. What are we waiting for? Action! Let me have your attention for a moment. Let's talk about something important. Now we're talking business. Let's talk business. Yeah, let's talk business. Oh, you guys like like to tell jokes and giggle and kid around, huh? I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. It's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie and not a film. We have a new category this year. Best film ever made by a human being. We should have got Oscar. Who are you working for? The Knutsons. Who, who the f*** are the Knutsons? He's a big movie sphinx about big men in tights. Roll that mother camera, Wolfie. Kiss my ass. Yeah! We like movies. This is business, and this man is taking it very, very personal. Hello, everybody. This is Oscar Dahl. I'm here with Matthew Knutson, and this is We Like Movies Academy Awards edition. Uh, I think we're going to be really quick here, Matt. This is kind of well-trod territory, and <laughs> you know the things we probably want to talk about are going to make us sad. So the Oscars were last night. We watched them together. It was a it was a good time for most of the you know most of the broadcast. But then then a thing happened at the end. I I gotta say this is I think it's the first time we watched them together in probably a decade, right? I want to say the last time we watched the Oscars together it was the infamous um, Anne Hathaway, James Franco year. I think I think that's true. I don't think it was nearly a decade ago, but it was uh, it was close. Yeah, down in San Diego, I believe. Right? Exactly, and um, you know, I don't know about you. I'm emotionally exhausted uh, because last <laughs> night was a real fucking roller coaster. But I want to try and put a positive spin on this thing because I think there's a lot of people who are going to be really crying the blues and hand wringing and bemoaning and you know we did our fair share of it last night, but we still need to remember that we now live in a world where we got to see. Spike Lee jump into Samuel L. Jackson's arms when he mm-hmm. handed when he handed him his Oscar, and we got to see Guillermo del Toro hand his best friend Alfonso Cuarón an Oscar. I mean, there was really some incredibly like emotional moment, like the kind of magical moments that you know make us keep going back to this silly event where people hand each other gold <laughs> statues. Like there was some of the, I feel like some of the like most incredible highlights in many many years. Right? I mean. We got to we got to witness potentially the uh, the single greatest moment in television history when Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga performed in a <laughs> wow. single unbroken take. Right, emotionally exhausting. Sure, I, I think you and I and some other people in our in our realm feel it way more than anyone else. Because not only do you, yeah. do you care about these for legacy things, and I care about this, uh, you know, the, the Academy Awards just as a you know a, a, as a marker in cinema history right so it just makes it easier to look back on certain years and see what was going on and you know what the what the temperature of the of the academy was but we also have this film fantasy league right and so Mm -hmm. that's another added thing to to this night um i think a lot of people don't nearly care as much so the green book thing isn't as big a deal um but people in the media are sure going to scream about it and you know i've always seen a bunch of Articles about uh, this is the new crash and whatnot. Um, I'm not willing to go <laughs> yeah. that far, really. Um, I saw a uh, a tweet. I can't remember. I, I wish I knew who I could attribute it to, but basically the tweet was, "No one's happier tonight than Paul Haggis, right? Because <laughs> he finally doesn't have to be the whipping boy that he's been for the last 15 years." Look, I'll, I'll make this extremely clear. Like Green Book is not nearly as bad as Crashes, 
And Crash is not nearly as bad as Bohemian Rhapsody is, right? So if it, <laughs> if it had been Bohemian Rhapsody to win, then that would have been the Crash moment, right? Interesting, yeah. And it, and it had a chance. I mean, it won the most awards of the night. It was the big winner of the night, one would say. Which, which should say. casts a sort of gloomy pall over this these entire proceedings. Because you're right. There are some, you know, Quaron winning three Oscars, great. Olivia yeah. Coleman winning uh, great. Uh, Mahershala. Wonderful. Maybe the highlight of the night. Yeah, Mahershala, great. Regina King, great. Spike Lee, absolutely fantastic. Some of the smaller winners had really great speed. Free solo winning, fantastic. Yep, um, great way to start. Yeah, period, ended sentence. Uh, those ladies were, were terrific. Uh, Bow, uh, Black Panther getting a bunch of stuff. Uh, the Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper performance, which was tremendous. All the other You mean the greatest were- moment in television history? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> You're um, not willing to go that not far. Not willing to go that far. Um, so, yeah, Black Panther getting its due. Cool. Uh, first Man winning visual effects. That was unexpected and, and Thank a God. lot of fun. Thank God it won something. Besides the Stars Born musical performance, all the, all the three other we didn't get Kendrick Lamar in the house because he didn't want to be there. But the three others were pretty lame, I thought. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there were quite a few highlights. But just the fact that we have Green Book winning it all, Best Picture, and Bohemian Rhapsody being legitimized in any way, <laughs> but legitimized to the degree where one fucking best editing and the editing was garbage, it just, it's just frustrating where, where you can make so many good decisions and then I, it's hard to even get in the mindset of these people. I mean, do you have any inside info on, did the Bohemian Rhapsody people just fucking campaign as hard as anyone's ever campaigned? I know Peter Farrelly definitely did. Insights, no. It's just, it's been such a wacky year. Honestly, I can't remember the last time I was this invested in this silly thing. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I once Oscar night rolls around, even if I allow myself to become kind of like cynical and jaded and too good for it, I almost always like give myself over to it at the last minute, you know, avoid it, avoid it, avoid it. And then at the last minute, just like completely throw myself into it. This year, I've been super invested for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why, because I'm not that passionate about Roma. I liked Roma a lot, but, you know, Cold War, First Man, you know, like my my guys, like my, you know, my dogs, mm-hmm. the dogs that I would have in this fight aren't even in this fight. So in that regard, I'm, I'm not exactly sure why I cared so much this year and why I got so invested in all this stupid stuff, because I was really like I was just hanging on every word last night for some reason. And as a result, I'm still attempting to try and see the bright side of it all. It, it just sucks that it had to end because let's be clear about this. Like you said, Green Book is a perfectly fine movie. Green yeah. Book is a B straight down the middle. You know, it's probably the 22nd best film I saw last year, but it's not a bad movie. Whereas I would legitimately classify Crash as a bad movie. Yeah. Same with Bohemian Rhapsody, for sure. Yeah, Bohemian Rhapsody is a bad movie, too. You know, Extremely Loud and Incredibly Close was a bad movie. Bad movies get nominated. Sometimes this this stuff happens. It's just this the optics of this are so bad, right? Well, like, I, I think that's the main thing here is that, you know, there are a lot of years where best pictures like, well... There's nothing really on here that's going to piss me off too much. Maybe I have one on the top end that I'm really rooting for, you know? I mean, are we going to be talking about The Shape of Water 10 years from now? Probably not. Probably not. But that's an innocuous win, right? I mean, there's nothing controversial about that. There's nothing exciting about it, but there's nothing controversial about it. This is like steering this is like steering into oncoming traffic. Yeah, I mean, and there's there's no negative uh, symbolism for Shape of Water winning, right? Whereas Green Book, it's like, you know, okay, white savior, super safe Hollywood version of race relations compared to, you know, you have Black Panther, Black Klansman. Those would have been nice symbolic victories. Uh, favorite, 
just a weirdo Greek director who makes a freaking weirdo period piece like that. That'd be cool to win. Roma, obviously a Koran. This you know, this is his his masterpiece, his work, whatever. Star is yeah. born. Just I mean, that that's kind of a straight down the line, but just so much better crafted than uh, than Green Book or or Bohemian Rhapsody. And Vice would have been a really interesting political thing, but you know, we knew that had no chance of winning. So just the the symbolic nature, like you said, the optics of Green Book taking it home after a night where so many deserving people won is uh is very frustrating and just the you know peter Farrelly and i've had a good time at peter Farrelly movies in my life um <laughs> but his goddamn smugness and you know nick valonga 9-11 truth are also winning is very frustrating <laughs> as well so it, this has been a four horse race for a few weeks now which in its own way is kind of encouraging right i mean mm-hmm. i just i posted something on our we like movies facebook page the other day where i basically was running down the last five years you can go back at least five years and every single year it's a two-horse race right mm-hmm. it's boyhood versus birdman it's moonlight versus la la land it's shape of water versus versus three billboards outside Ebbing, missouri which is kind of boring this year we legitimately had roma versus green book versus black panther versus bohemian rhapsody and none of those would have surprised me yeah that's kind of fun for it to be a little more wide open than usual. It's just very frustrating for it to go in this direction because it's a, it's just a pure example of the Academy's two steps forward, three steps back mm-hmm. issue, right? Yeah. I mean, they're constantly stepping on their fucking feet. At every, I mean, they just can't. Mm-hmm. They can't get out of their own goddamn way. And, um, and it's a shame that it had to go this way because we were really ramping up to a pretty it was ramping up to be a pretty special night i mean it was going really well (laughs) i mean i was like this is a great ceremony they're doing a really good job considering that we were afraid this thing was going to be a dumpster fire with no no host or whatever like this is going great like this is going super smooth lots of very deserving people are winning by the time olivia coleman ended up upsetting with all due respect to glenn close who's very good on the wife and hopefully will win someday (laughs) you could tell like you could see that you could feel the excitement in the room that people were actually really passionate about her and her win and it was it was a really nice moment yeah and it just unfortunately had to end with such a whimper and you know, by that point, Green Book had already won screenplay, which was obviously a harbinger. But is there anything more ironic than Green Book winning one screenplay category and Black Klansman winning? I mean, <laughs> can you think of more polar opposite? Like, it's, I know. If, if you'd have written, you know, like, it's just so on the nose that you it's have to so show stupid. that contrast between those two. Yeah. And it is crazy, too, that we're literally 30 years removed from the driving Miss Daisy, uh, do the right thing. <laughs> I know. And here we are again. Now, luckily, this time at least Spike ended up on the stage. It's just, you know, you question the Academy members and just how sane they are and, and who they are and what the fuck is going on through their brains because, you know, ostensibly they are industry professionals. They should know what's good and what's bad. And even on the surface, there, of course, there's subjectivity there, but the technical aspects of Bohemian Rhapsody are poor. Like there's, you know, there's a, uh, a scene. That <laughs> you're, was, not, you're not going to let this go, are you? No, I'm, I can't let this go. <laughs> you're there's consumed a, there's by this. a scene on Twitter that's showing just like this <laughs> bizarre, batshit, horrible editing. Sound editing is terrible. All the music scenes are bad. The story is fucking garbage. Like there's nothing... I don't. I, I. cannot understand why this movie w- was well regarded. There have been many movies. And don't give me like the the blockbuster angle. There have been so many big money movies that that didn't get a bunch of fucking awards. So I and Rami Malek's not even that great. And I, I'll give him this. I thought his speech was fine. 
compared to what I thought it was going to be because his you mm-hmm. know Golden Gloves is a little pretentious. But Green Book winning, it's stupid. The optics are really bad, and it, it makes me angry. But I think Bohemian Rhapsody's ubiquity during the show and winning a number of awards, being nominated for all this shit, I think that's even worse uh, than hmm. than what happens with the Best Picture. Yeah, that's that's fair. I mean, this was the year of the controversial the controversial popular film category being floated, right? Yeah. So I don't want to necessarily, uh, you know, start crying conspiracy theory here. But is there something to the fact that they have been harping about how we need to get more blockbusters in here, how we need to get more popular films, how, you know, viewers are leaving in droves and we need to get more Titanics in here so that we, we can draw viewers back? And this year we ended up with two of the biggest hits of the year nominated for Best Picture. I mean, this is exactly what the Academy wanted. Um, so is there something fishy going on? I mean, it's pretty hard to argue that, you know, Black Panther was one of the most critically, one of the most critically acclaimed films of the year. I think that was a slam dunk. The Bohemian Rhapsody thing is so fishy, right? Because nobody admits to, a lot of people admit to liking that movie. Nobody claims that's a good movie. So it's cons- conspiracy is that they want to prop blockbuster movies up because what? Like, wh- why would, the, I, I don't understand what that what that does for the academy, right? I'm saying if if you if you if you if we work towards shoehorning more blockbuster films into the best picture category, it's going to bring voters back. And to their credit, the early ratings numbers suggest that they had about a 14% bump from last year. Okay. Now, is that because people who love Bohemian Rhapsody and Black Panther turned out in droves? Or is it just because people were so curious because there's been so much controversy this year that they decided to show up? Look, making a lot of money has never precluded a movie from getting awards acclaim. Bohemian Rhapsody being popular has nothing to do with its quality. Like, it could have been a lot better movie and just as popular, right? Like, there's sure. nothing about the way it was made. Like, people were still going to go see this movie no matter what. Like, there's a way better version of this movie potentially out there so like i i I don't know i just why reward in making a bunch of box office i don't i don't get it yeah i mean there's been bad films that have ended up being the the most awarded film of the night right Mm -hmm. i mean usually the movie is actually very good at those categories you know it's not bad at the categories it's winning which is which is all the more baffling yeah yeah, it is. It is crazy for it, that it basically it did what it did: sound mixing, sound editing, editing, yeah. and Rami Malek. Yeah, those four. You know, just to kind of come at it from like a Moneyball perspective, prognosticators have always pointed to that editing category as being pretty instructive as to what is going to win Best Picture. Mm. When Roma didn't get nominated for editing, that was the first sign that maybe this wasn't going to go Roma's way because Best Picture winners almost always at least get nominated in the editing category. Yeah. And Green Book, of course, was nominated in that category. So that maybe should have been our first indication because those are almost always in lockstep. Yeah, I mean, guess right? we technically, you, you mentioned this the other night, last night, but this technically was an Argo situation, right? Peter Farrelly not yeah. nominated for Best Director, wins it for Best Picture. Yes. It's bizarre. We, we, people, most people were ho- seemed to be hoping that this was going to be an Argo situation that would go Star is Born's way, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we'd have a Ben Affleck situation where it's like, well, he's not particularly well-liked, and you know, Bradley Cooper is just too handsome and or whatever, you know, sure. whatever the reason is he didn't get nominated for Best Director, but at least they'll give it Best Picture and then that'll be the consolation. But no, it, it you know, got skunked. Who's the most handsome Best Director nominee ever? <laughs> like at the time they were nominated. Warren Beatty. Warren Beatty. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Bradley Cooper will win it someday, you know. Oh, so he'll, he'll be back. 
He's you never, got, you I mean, never know if he wants to keep directing. You know, that's quite a. It's see, oh, he's already. I mean, he's already doing the Leonard Bernstein thing. Oh, right? he's already right, on to the right. next project. Okay, well, good for him. You know, I got to give the guy credit. He's been, uh, you know, kind of a class act through this whole mm-hmm. situation. You know, like he he didn't really want to do press. He didn't want to go out there and kiss babies. He didn't really want to. You wanted to kiss do Lady the, Gaga last night. Tell you that much. <laughs> who didn't? You know, he he didn't really want to go out there and. Um, and get on the campaign trail, and as a result, maybe that's why they ignored this film. But through it all, he's you know taken the high road. He's been a company man. He's you know he supported her, and you know showed up and sang last night. So I, I got to give the guy credit. Like he's been pretty classy throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. That's fair. He doesn't. I mean, I'm sure he's he's a little bit heartbroken that that it all turned out this way. But I'm, I'm still kind of impressed with his with the way that he's handled himself. That's fair. Um, I forgot to mention the other nice moment. Uh, although we knew it was happening probably was spider-man into the spider-verse winning best animated movie which was good i was always worried about incredibles 2 snaking that from lord and miller got to uh put a nice cap on their 2018 that must have been a very odd year for them so lord and chris miller are now oscar we now live in a world in which those two guys have oscars same with the uh the director of dumb dumber 2 and three stooges and Oh boy. Okay, so Matt, let's talk about this. I think the Oscar host, as we know it, is probably dead. I think it was absolutely nice and efficient, streamlined last night without a main host. I thought it worked pretty exquisitely well. Yeah, if you just take all of the politics out of it, you take all the winners out of it, and you take all, you know, whatever you think about Bohemian Rhapsody or Green Book, if you just take all that out and just look at the ceremony at face value, I thought it was a fucking slam dunk. I thought it was streamlined and smooth. Yeah. I was really surprised. I I was presuming this was going to be one of the clunkier ones we've ever had, and it seemed like it was, you know, it was a well-oiled machine. I thought it worked really, really well. I wasn't, I didn't miss the hosts. No, and the uh, Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, my Rudolph uh, triptych at the start there was uh, was really great, brilliant. And if if that is as much host you know as we get going forward, if there's just a surprise little quick comic act to uh, kick off the proceedings, I think that's great. You're asking so much of a person to host the Oscars because you know people have talked about this quite a bit in op-eds and whatnot, but it really is a no-win situation. You have to spend weeks yes. and weeks getting ready for it, and then you get shit on by everybody afterwards, no matter what you do. So, And apparently you don't even get paid that well. I, yeah. I think you get you know 15 grand or something like that, mm-hmm. which is not that much, consider, you know, considering the caliber of you know, a star after, yeah. who is usually, yeah, so it's definitely you know, like if if uh, Kevin Hart had done it, it wouldn't have been for the paycheck. It would have been to boost celebrity or whatever, right? Or you know, draw more people out to his films, draw more people out to his stand-up. Yeah. So it's certainly not it's certainly not for the money. It's for the exposure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at, at this point, it's like yeah, why would a nobody wants to do it now mm-hmm. because they they see how you're going to get raked over the coals. And B, last night went so well, then fuck it. Yeah. Let's just let's not let's not deal with the with the hassle of it all. Well, right? and it also takes away the crutch for all these writers on deadlines to complain about the host as their, you know, main main article. So no one can complain <laughs> about the host. They have to look at other stuff, which I think is a net positive for everybody. Yeah, it's crazy. You mentioned last night there there were no montages, which as efficient and streamlined as it as it felt, it still went three hours, fifteen minutes and I think part yeah. of that was they actually let some of the speeches breathe, even though they did play yeah. people off. But they let a lot of speeches breathe more so than they have in the past. And I thought that that, that was nice. It lent itself well. Because as much as I understand wanting to get under a certain time, if you're there for three hours, the extra 15 minutes is not going to be a big fucking deal. This felt less tense to me because there's always tension about people trying to finish their speech before the, the music comes in, right? 
So, and it's so uncomfortable. It you is. You know, like yeah. these people have worked that, you know, th- this is the apex of their career. All they want to do is tell their mom how much they they love her and how much, you know, her support has meant to them. And, and you start fucking playing these. Remember the year when they started playing the Jaws theme? Yeah. When they, when they were playing people off the stage? It's, it's so rude. That's ridiculous. It's just uncomfortable. Like these yeah. people, this is this is the, the, the highlight of their entire professional career. And you're fucking playing the Jaws song. And at the end of the day, what are we all here for? Aren't we here to give each other awards? And if we're gonna t- we're gonna take the giving of the awards part out of the awards ceremony, yeah, what's the <laughs> I mean, fucking point exactly? Yeah, let's just announce it. Let's just an- remember that year that they just announced all the Golden Globe winners just uh, as a list because I think there was a strike or something, right? Yeah, I think there was a I think there was a writer strike going mm-hmm. on, so they didn't have a ceremony. They just had a guy behind a desk just announcing them, just reading up <laughs> the winners. If we're so opposed to people giving long-winded speeches, then let's just, fuck it, let's just do it that way. And the speeches can be the most fun part, you know? Um, Some of them can be uncomfortable, but you know what? That's that's live TV. Like, that's got that's going to be part of the fun. Sometimes you're going to get, you know, Cuba Gooding Jr. doing backflips. Sometimes you're going to get the makeup artist from Vice kind of rambling for a few minutes <laughs> uncomfortably. But yeah. you got to take the good with the bad. All right, that's that's basically all the material I have, Matt. Any, any other notes <laughs> <laughs> you got? I got to say, just in terms of highlights, um, I love some of the matchups last night. Like, it, sometimes it's really fun to see who they throw together, you know, Jason Momoa and Helen Mirren. And it got me thinking, you think she'll show up for the Hobbs and Shaw movie next this summer? Because isn't she Jason Statham's mom in the Fast and Furious universe? Oh, God. I That sounds right. I... You know, I, wasn't she in? I think she was in she was seven in, or eight. She was in one of them. Yeah, they're they're all since five. They're all blending together for me. Barbara, how about Spike Lee and Barbara Streisand? Yeah, being buddies. You know, being Brooklyn buddies. Like, love that. that. Just warmed my heart so much. Yeah. No, there's just, a lot of uh, really cute moments. Of strange bedfellows. Yeah, you know, yeah. Obviously, Guillermo and Coron and uh, oh, Sam Jackson so and Spike cute. Lee was fantastic. And you know, all there wasn't much in the way of awkward patter there was a maybe one or two slightly cringy moments but the most part it, it was pretty natural and clever enough and funny enough you know it was it was all worth it and I, I think part of it is the sort of mismatched duos out here um and and not they didn't ask a lot of people to actually be all that funny which is totally fine by me well it makes me wonder if because they didn't have a host you know hosts usually bring i mean they're usually comedians they bring writers so they usually bring their, their staff yeah. right they usually bring their writers along. It makes me wonder. I mean, obviously there was writers this year, but it probably wasn't the kind of like deep writing roster yeah. that you're used to seeing on a show like this. So mm-hmm. it makes me wonder if it was just Bruce Valanche by himself in front of a typewriter. He's or not still right? doing this, is he? There's no way. They put him out to pasture a long time ago. He's just my go to. <laughs> yeah, not a lot of patter, not a lot of fluff, not a lot of filler. I mean, I'm I'm in the minority of I mean, I could watch this thing go on all night. I mean, I'm I'm down for a five hour ceremony. Give me all the montages, but <laughs> I totally understand why not everybody's into that. Yeah. So yeah, to me it seemed really smooth and streamlined and uh all things considered, I, I think it was a enormous success. It's just crazy that it had to end the way that it did which is all people will obviously want to talk about for Uh the foreseeable future yeah that's true yeah it's just indicative of how kind of like out of touch this body this voting body can be is this an indication of the power slash danger of the preferential ballot is this a situation where i mean we're both here kind of like crying the blues about green book winning we're also both admitting that it's not a bad film Mm -hmm. so is that conceivable that nobody would have put Green Book at the bottom of their ballot. And as a result, it may have just mathematically weaseled its way 
into the whereas some people are just like bored with Roma or whatever like yeah I watched 10 minutes on Netflix and I got bored so I'm gonna put it at the bottom of my ballot yeah I guess Green Book is the one you look at these movies like what what can you hate I guess if you're just a virulent racist you could hate Black Panther and Black Klansman and then you might also hate Green Book but well, you okay? But let's let's give people like let's give people a little no, bit no, of benefit no. of the doubt. I know. I'm, I'm like just, I'm Black Klansman going... is a messy movie, and I could see it being pretty low on people's list, racism or otherwise. And Black Panther is a is a superhero movie. Yeah. So there could be people who aren't necessarily racist, but are heroist mm-hmm. uh, franchisist, sure, sure. <laughs> and as a result, you know, uh, comic bookist. And as a result, they might just put it low because of what it represents. Yeah, okay, right? so, so I'm looking at these, and you might be right. Green Book might be the least likely to be last on people's lists, right? Or the the least the movie least likely to be hated by uh, by people. Because Vice, if you're, you know, depending on your politics, you might hate it. Star is Born, you might just be like a fourth remake. Come on, Gaga, come on. Roma, boring, favorite, weird, Bohemian Rhapsody, just bad. I love this. Can we, I just love one-word reviews from Oscar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should do this more often. <laughs> Yeah. Vice, weird, Roma, boring. <laughs> sure. Green, you know. Green Book, <laughs> Black right. Panther, black. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Green Book is hard movie to hate. Mm-hmm. Is that is that fair? I guess, yeah. Like even with all this with all this craziness going on, and I'm I'm you know it wasn't on my top ten list, and it wasn't even on my honorable mentions of last year. But I don't hate that movie. It's totally fine. Yeah, if just like putting my ballot together in my head, it's it's certainly not the bottom. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Bohemian Rhapsody is the bottom with a with a bullet, right? Yeah, absolutely. Wouldn't you love to live in a world in which we could actually see the results? Wouldn't it be great if they just if they would just release these numbers? Wouldn't it be fascinating to know how close this this may have come? I I don't understand why they. Well, I, I guess I do understand why they don't. But it would be a better world if it was transparent. If everyone's ballot had to become public after the awards. Well, not necessarily. I mean, I don't I don't need names on ballots. Oh, I need I want you know, names. I, I don't need to know, you know. It would ruin uh, so many relationships, but. I don't need to know what Corey Feldman voted, you know, what he put at the bottom of his ballot. But I would be interested just to see globally what would have, like, how close Roma was to coming in second or whatever in this situation, right? Yeah, it would be cool just, yeah, if at the very least to see the runners runners up and how close they were to, to taking it. Absolutely. And, and, and maybe Roma wasn't number two. Maybe this, maybe Black Panther was, you know, within a couple hundred votes of winning or something. I just, it would just be fascinating to see that kind of stuff. But that level of transparency is probably something we'll never actually get. Yeah, well, as long as a 72-year-old white guy is the president of the academy, right? <laughs> yeah, speaking of optics, I mean, and I have a lot of respect for John Bailey. He's a very accomplished cinematographer and seems like a very nice guy. But it's just not the time to have a 72-year-old white dude, as the, especially considering the fact that we had you know, an African-American woman as the president for a number of years who was very successful in that job mm-hmm. and had a lot of incredible ideas. It's like the idea they decided to go with John Bailey is just bonkers to me. But again, it, this is an example of the Academy just stepping on their own toes mm-hmm. over and over and over. Um, any other uh, highlights that you can think of? Tina Fey, Amy, po- Amy Poehler, and Maya Rudolph were great. Yeah. It was fun to get to see the uh, the free solo kids. They seemed very unprepared. Yeah, they, I don't <laughs> they think did, they, they thought they were going to win. For sure. <laughs> I guess not. I guess they must have thought RBG was the um, was the favorite. That really warmed my heart. All the period end of sentence girls I thought were adorable, and that was that was really fun. And again, that that to me reinforces why we you need to have all the awards on the telecast. Like I know this is a controversial thing, and we're going to keep talking about it. And maybe next year they're actually going to like put their foot down and say, "Nope, we're not doing shorts on the telecast anymore. That's it. We've made up our mind. We don't care if you push back. We don't care if you collect nah. you know signatures from Quentin Tarantino and Christopher Nolan. If they did that, then you don't get those really fun spontaneous moments where all these girls 
are, you know, are having the greatest night of their life and weren't expecting to win. And that, that's fun. That's live television. That's why you, you know, that's why you do these stupid events, right? Exactly. Yeah. For um, spontaneous stuff like that. Yeah. Barbara Streisand introducing Black Klansman was really cool. But I, yeah, so I, I think weird. Sam Jackson, Spike Lee, that was by far my favorite moment of the night. Probably the highlight. Yeah. It's a long time coming. I mean, I always kind of bristle at the whole Lifetime Achievement Award situation. Interestingly enough, Spike Lee actually does have an Oscar. He got a Lifetime Achievement Award a couple <laughs> years ago. Yeah. Uh, but this is his first competitive one. Black Klansman is not my favorite film in that category. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't even be, I think, top five Spike Lee movies for me. And I always bristle at the idea of like giving these things to people because they're overdue. I mean, they could have done that with Glenn Close last night and didn't. Yeah. But the Spike Lee thing does kind of feel a little bit like a Lifetime Achievement Award. I really, really liked that. It made me feel good. Yeah. I'm not even I'm not even the world's biggest Spike Lee fan, but just something about that, him being there, Samuel Jackson giving it to him, that that whole thing just built up to a really nice emotional payoff. Agreed. You know, and he got to give his political speech, but he didn't get he didn't get mean about it, you know, like he didn't he didn't go he dropped some profanity apparently, but he didn't get angry. He reinforced the love side as opposed to the hate. Yeah, side. it was great. It was a nice little beat poem. It was cool. I liked the whole thing. Yeah, he seemed a little lost for a second. I mean, it seemed like he was a little bit overwhelmed, and then he found his he found his rhythm, and he managed he managed to plug his his masterpiece at the very yeah, end. Yeah, it was awesome. He managed to get a do the right thing rip in there. <laughs> um, all right, cool, Matt. Uh, I think that's uh, that's about it for. 2019 Academy Awards. Uh, any early 2020 predictions? I mean, at this point, uh, what are we looking forward to? We're looking forward to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Looking forward to the report, maybe and Irishman. Maybe the farewell. The Irishman. Yeah, I just watched the. I just rewatched the Irishman trailer. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't know. No footage, just a little bit of audio. Huh? Yeah. And some really kind of hokey graphics. Very hokey. Uh, yeah, I. You know, I'm. It's going to be tough to make this good, and uh, I'm I'm not terribly optimistic, but we'll see. You know, Scorsese surprised me before, so you never know. There was it was very interesting that the trailer plays, and it's obviously very impressed with itself. And then at the end of the trailer, coming soon to theaters and on <laughs> and on Netflix. Yeah, it was like if ever there was sort of like a statement mm-hmm. that was being made in this night where we're celebrating a lot, celebrating a lot of Netflix films, but also talking about you know what it means to be a movie and whether. You know, Steven Spielberg has been very vocal recently saying that it's not a movie if it doesn't play in theaters. Mm-hmm. It was interesting that one of the most famous filmmakers of all time who's been making, you know, who's been working on this film for years mm-hmm. and is bringing back two of the biggest movie stars ever to uh, share the screen together again, that it is a Netflix film. It's there's something there's something there. There's something really worth contemplating about that. Well, it's, you know, it's just the Netflix has the money that other people aren't willing to give people like scorsese anymore so i think that's the big part of it that's that that money train's not going to uh be on the rails forever because netflix is going to stop with this insane amount of uh internal uh filmmaking creation but it, it one part of me says scorsese should have figured out a way to make maybe a lower budget version of this movie right mm-hmm. and maybe you're better off not having unlimited budget that netflix gives you because i don't really love the excuse of like no one else would pay for the movie that i wanted to make but then again i respect quaron and it it does you can see the budget in this movie that could have been made modestly but it's a tough one because just the the budgetary restrictions are just out of whack when you compare netflix to uh just the normal studios i mean i have a hard time imagining a world in which steven spielberg or 
Christopher Nolan need Netflix in any sort of meaningful way? I mean, those guys, I feel like, can kind of like write their own ticket yeah. at this point. But I could imagine a world in which your Paul Thomas Anderson's or even your Quentin Tarantino's, you know, like these guys who require, you know, they still need 60, 70, 80 million dollars to make a movie and they're not making The Dark Knight, right? Yeah. I mean, these guys... There's a good chance you're not going to make that money back. Yeah, and Megan Ellison has kind of been... She's been propping a lot of these guys up for a while, yeah. uh, and God bless her, but she can't, Megan Ellison and, and George Lucas can't prop this entire industry up by themselves, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's not their responsibility. So I, I could see a time when one of these big names, maybe not Spielberg or Nolan, but I mean, the fact that a big name like Scorsese, quote unquote, needs Netflix, or at least decided to go with Netflix, really sends a message. Part of me wonders if the way things went down last night might be some of these more traditional, more old school uh, Academy members who aren't necessarily voting for Green Book or whatever out of spite or out of racism, or whatever you want to call it. Maybe they're voting against Roma because they don't like what it represents. And that's interesting. You know, like I don't I don't respect that. I don't agree with that. I'm all for a meritocracy like you. I want yeah. you know, quality to rise to the top. But there could be something to that in terms of like ideologically voting and saying, I don't support this direction for this industry and for this art form. This is not supposed to be about Netflix. So let's uh, let's shut it down. We'll, <laughs> we'll have a million conversations <laughs> about streaming <laughs> going forward. But all right. Until next time, this has been We Like Movies. Say goodbye, Matt. Goodbye. Hey everybody, Matt here with a quick, friendly, and humble request. As we round the corner into our ninth year on the way to a decade of We Like Movies and closing in on 300 episodes, we thought it might be a good time to talk about donations. If you felt so inclined, perhaps consider visiting the donation page at www.welikemovies.com and help us out with a small ovation. Anything you'd be willing to contribute would help us offset the cost of seeing upwards of 100 movies in theaters per year, as well as the expense of maintaining the site. We're not looking to get rich off this podcast, and we certainly don't do it for the money, but any assistance you'd be willing to provide lessens the financial strain of producing the content we're committed to providing you with. Thank you so much for your continued patronage. 2019 is going to be our biggest year yet, and we're so excited to have you with us. Thanks again.